Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and it's a special episode. It's an interview. We have a special guest, but we also have my co-host, Whitney Nelson. We have a returning guest, Matt Owen, from the Super Gamescast 64. I, I put a plural in there. It's Super Gamecast 64 yeah. podcast. <laughs> and our guest, of course, is Chef Kevin from Earwolf uh, fame. Uh, he's a producer of Hollywood Handbook, Freedom, and others. I'm sure we're going to get to learn a lot more about you. But how's everybody doing? Let's start with Kevin. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so... <laughs> Thrilled to be here. I was just moments ago listening to the 300th episode. Um, oh my God. <laughs> where you guys say, we're not going to do a hiatus because Kevin is doing the show. And I felt an immense amount of pressure. I am a little bit nervous that this episode is going to be called, um, like, actually, just kidding. We're definitely going to do a hiatus. <laughs> That's the real joke, is who knows? But Classic oh man, mm-hmm. that is fantastic! Wait, what a, a fantastic start to this! I'm so glad to have you on the show. I'm a big fan of you, but also let's hear from our other uh, guests. How are you doing, Matt and Whitney? Uh, Whitney, you go first. Okay. I'm so I'm so scared. <laughs> I am doing I'm doing very well. Awesome! It's been so long since we've had this many people on the podcast at once. It's like yeah. hard to keep track of all of this. But uh, how about you, Matt? I'm not scared. That was a bluff. I'm super confident. No, I've been, dude, I've been super busy. In addition to running Super Game Cast 64, Doug. Not Games Cast. I'm it was just, a slip. No, that's fine. I'm just rustling your jimmies. I also launched a new website, supergamesite64.com. So uh, if any listeners have ever like tried to run their own blog or like a Squarespace even, you know kind of how it can be tough and... You want to pull out your hair, and some days you're like, why? Why do I even do this? So that's been me for the past few months, but also <laughs> video games are cool, and like, summer's fun, so I've been, I can't complain, Doug. Even though I just spent a lot of time complaining, I can't. There you go. <laughs> How have you been, Doug? How have uh, you been, though? Very good. Trying to keep busy, trying to find time to play games. It's tough. I got a wedding coming around the corner. Uh, that's going to be- Congratulations. Uh, here before we know it. Thanks very much. Um, Yay. And just, yeah, all sorts of stuff going on, but- that's not the point of this. This is a video game podcast, but like I said, this is going to be, we're going to start this off with like a little bit of an interview to get to know our guest here, uh, Chef Kevin. So first and foremost, I need to know, where did the chef originate from? Are you like known for your cooking? Far from it, actually. Um, I was taking photos for all of the Earwolf podcasts when I was the production coordinator. Uh, one of the things was you would kind of hop into the studio, take a couple pics, and then at the end of the recording, take another picture. And so in the early days, uh, I was doing that for Hollywood Handbook, and they were making a lot of – they would like call me out for coming in, and they'd make jokes like – you know, this guy's taken like 50 photos, but we're only seeing one of them. Were the other 49? That's where like the <laughs> Kevin Bartolt creep thing came in that I was like taking photos under the table and stuff. None of that's true. It's a joke, listener. Um, and then no, they, they, they don't understand. They, they don't. don't understand. They truly they, don't. Straight faced. They don't understand. Um, and then they were doing a ad read for Blue Apron, and they were saying like. Something along the lines of that, you know, here at Earwolf, we cook together as a family every night. We get around the <laughs> family table and Kevin's here. We actually call him Chef Kevin because he makes all the meals. And then so I, when they wanted me to read like the copy, I was just like, hey guys, Chef Kevin here. Um, and <laughs> they laughed at that. And then so the next Blue Apron 
ad read, they were like, can you come in and do the same exact intro? And three years later, here I am still doing it. I know it's like an identity for you now. Um, do you, are you annoyed with it at all? No, I love it. I think it's fun. I do feel a pressure to like, I got to step up my cooking game because I think people assume that I can cook well and that's far from the case, but I just moved into a new place that has like a nice kitchen. So I'm trying to take advantage of it and step up my chef game. Very cool. Um, all right. But let's also, for anybody who's unfamiliar with who you are and what you do, like, let's just give like kind of a pitch on who you are. Absolutely. So, um, hello sharks. Um, so I am a (laughs) producer at your wolf, which is a comedy podcast network. Uh, I help produce the, uh, handful of shows, Hollywood handbook being probably most notable one, uh, that I'm like associated with and comedy bang, bang and freedom and another, uh, really fun improv show called big grande's teachers lounge. And then recently I've been working with, uh, team Coco Conan O'Brien's team on the three questions with Andy Richter and their show inside Conan, which is like a behind the scenes look at the Conan TV show. Um, so yeah, I work on the production of all those shows. I engineer some of them and edit some of them and it's super fun. I'm in one of the studios right now having a nice cup of coffee and talking to some new friends. (laughs) There you go. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So how did you get a job at Earwolf and did you have to go to school for like audio engineering or all anything like that? Man, you would think that that would be the case and should be the case. Um, I moved to LA right after I graduated, uh, college in Chicago, right outside of Chicago. I moved to LA like a couple weeks later, uh, hoping to get a job in like TV writing, you know, writing for a sitcom ideally. Um, and was, I had a bunch of weird day jobs. I, um, worked at a retirement center as their activities director. So I would take (laughs) us to museums that we would eventually like kind of get kicked out of because people were touching the art. Um, We'd go to the movies and then they wouldn't sit in the assigned seating. And then I taught like a podcast class. um, That was a lot of fun where I was basically just every week explaining what a podcast is. Um, (laughs) And I also taught at a, a, um, Korean private school for a summer. Um, it was just like a Craigslist job. That was the school like next to where I lived in Koreatown in Los Angeles. Um, so I was having a bunch of jobs to pay the bills. And then I s- applied for, and it, I applied really isn't the right word, but I s- recognized one of the interns for a podcast called Improv for Humans with Matt Besser. Um, I They videotaped they're like intern interviews basically. And I saw one of them at a UCB show and just point blank was like, I'm a huge fan and uh, I'd love to be a part of the show if there's any way. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, awesome. Give me your email and I'll forward it to Besser. Nice. Uh, And then I had a similar experience where Besser like interviewed me on an episode of improv for humans with like basically an improv team. And they would like do scenes based around how my interview was going, which was very nerve wracking. Um, (laughs) And then around that time I got hired as a page at the NBC page program and kind of was like going back and forth with like, should I lean into this more? But the more I was doing the podcast stuff, the more like And I was already a podcast fan in college, but um, 
I just was more and more getting like so involved and having so much fun with it. And I think the big reason was because as a creative person, you have like complete control over your podcast, like everything that you want to do or don't want to do, that's your decision. And I felt I was learning um, through the page program and just like talking to TV writers in general that's like very difficult to do um, just because there's so many hurdles and flags that you have to deal with um, because you're dealing with like obviously like millions of dollars and millions of viewers. And because podcasting is still like relatively new, um, you don't have those hurdles really. Like if you want to do a podcast and obviously like it's very easy to do. um, And I was just so excited because I felt like I never felt like there was a world where like I could pitch something to like, you know, like Besser or when I started working on who charted and like, uh, like, Hey, here's a man on the street interview I did. And then them like listening to it and then doing improv off of something I was pitching at that point. I was like, this is amazing. Like this is a dream. Absolutely. Yeah. And then so I was an intern for six months and then was writing. uh, I was a publisher for Earwolf for six months, like writing the episode descriptions and uploading the episodes and just constantly bothering people, uh, like asking when (laughs) they needed a full time person. And I, sneaky boy, I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast um, during or just like publicly. Exclusive. It is exclusive. When I was at NBC, I, during my lunch break, had an interview with Brett and Dana, uh, two also like your old people, uh, engineer, lead engineer and uh, producer here. They interviewed me during my lunch break at NBC, and then I snuck back to NBC and then quit like a week later when I got the job. Nice. <laughs> Dastardly Kevin, you. Dad. I know. <laughs> sneaky. I was a sneaky boy. But that's the way to do it. You got to follow your dreams, man. Yeah, and so nice. yeah, I've been sneaky, here. Sneaky boy. For, <laughs> I've been here for a couple of years, and it's it's been the dream. I'm very happy. That's so exciting. That's that is a dream. So, and that's the thing. You're developing a fan base yourself because of your appearances on certain podcasts, like the way that Hollywood Handbook integrates you into their show now. Like you're even on some of the pro episodes with Tom Sharpling and stuff. Like, how does that make you feel? Did you ever foresee yourself becoming that involved? Absolutely not. Um, I honestly just thought I was going to be taking pictures. Um, but it's, it's so cool. Like I honestly feel like very honored that they let me do that stuff. And, um, that like Tom wants to, and I feel like I should kind of like clear the air a little bit. I think people assume that like, I'm asking Tom, like, let's do an episode. That's you and me and not Sean and Hayes. Um, Like Tom reached out to me and I was like so honored and I'm so happy about that. Um, So no, I was not expecting that at all. Fortunately, I was taking a few classes at like the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, So I felt like I was getting my reps in with like stage performances. I was on a sketch team performing a ton. Um, And so I felt very familiar with like the UCB style and the... And, and like, obviously, for those who don't know, Earwolf pulls a lot of people from UCB. It's very, like, inspired by UCB. And, like, their, you know, founders have shows on the network. Uh, so that felt like that made me feel a lot more comfortable going into it that, like, okay, I know the backbone of, like, comedy here, like, what they look for. Like, I think if I just was going into it kind of blindly – 
I wouldn't be comfortable being on mic. I would just be like, no, don't include me with any mic, like on mic stuff because I'll just bomb. <laughs> um, and I still do all the time. Um, <laughs> but knowing like, okay, I, I've watched these guys like outside of this podcast, like doing shows and I know like what they, what their style is. So I could kind of emulate that, you know, and kind of go in their flow as well. So no, was not planning on it. And then because I watched them, I kind of was like, okay, I know the game you're playing. That's amazing. One thing that I do want to bring up though, is uh, you also did stand up opening for a live show. Like that's another, like, I don't even know. Oh, How yeah, did you pull that. off <laughs> oh, God, a half that was, hour of content? Yeah, that was insanely <laughs> stressful. Uh, so for context, uh, Hollywood Handbook went on a Pacific Northwest tour um, in February of this year, like late January. And one of the venues required us to have an opener, basically saying like, if you don't have an opener, uh, we will supply someone or we will bill you like X amount of money. Um Wow. Because we make a ton of money. I guess makes sense, but it was annoying. They're like, we make a ton of money during that. Yeah. During that intermission, that period, like a lot of people go get booze and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So Sean and Hayes were like, there's no way we want some like local standup who like doesn't understand our show at all. Um, Right. So they were like, Chef Kevin. Exactly. Yeah. So they were like, can you do it? And I was like, I'm not really a standup. And I did stand up like a few times, like once in college and then like twice in LA, both like open mics that have like eight people. Right. Um, (laughs) Party laughs from one dude in the back left corner who's had far too many drinks. That well, (laughs) even less than that, because like in LA, like all the open mics are just other stand ups. So like (laughs) they're not there to like watch you. They're there to like also perform. Um, jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, did it once in, in Illinois and was like, great, this was fun. Did it twice in LA and was like, oh, I hate this. But I think it's one of those things that's like, if you don't love it passionately, then you shouldn't do it. And so I did it twice and was like, ah, that's okay. Not for me. And then like three, like two years later, two or three years later, being in this scenario, I was like, okay, I have 30 minutes to fill. And the most amount of standup I've done was like five minutes in front of like eight people. Uh, So basically I spent like a month trying to prep it. And I like kind of cheated by doing like crowd work for a chunk of it. I asked Sean to like videotape Bosch for uh, his dog for like five minutes and then do like his voice like off stage basically. (laughs) Um, So I cheat basically like half of it and then do like 15 minutes of me kind of like explaining like, why am I on stage in front of all these people? But it was horrifying. Still writing a 30 minute show. Like that. Oh yeah. That's yeah. And it was horrifying. Cause I was hoping, assuming slash hoping that there'd be like, uh, that venue was 400 people. And I was like, okay, if there's like 75 people there, that's still, <laughs> that's still a lot, like definitely a lot, but it'll only feel like it's like a quarter, like less than a quarter uh, full, which is great. Like, I think I'll feel more comfortable knowing that like most of the place is still empty. And then I went on stage and it was like, literally everyone went. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh man, that's got to be super intimidating, but you did, you crushed it. And I, I don't necessarily consider that cheating. I think it's just an in- interesting way of using your time. And I, I feel like the people that went there, yeah, they benefited from you opening that show because it is in the same vein of their humor and not just yeah. some like random local standup, like messing up the vibe. Yeah, no, I think that would have, it would have been so awkward. Although in hindsight, that would have been so fun to watch like some guy like <laughs> some ripping on bombs, Portland so bars bad. and like, all of the reference. I don't know. I, I I don't know if it would have gone well. It would have been so fascinating right. though. Uh, but in a way that it was like a huge risk. Um, so they went with me, which I guess was slightly less of a risk. Um, but yeah, it was super fun. That's awesome. All right. So one thing we do want to get to is video game talk, but there also is something that I'm really excited that you told me about off air and it's about a podcast that you're starting. Do you want to maybe pitch that and like, tell us what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm doing a podcast with your former guest, Yu Song Lu, producer Woo! of the Doughboys podcast. Another super funny podcast. I highly recommend oh, people yeah. check out if they, oh, yeah. we had Nick Weiger on at one point. Oh, awesome. We were, sp- we were supposed to have Mitch on, but he just doesn't respond to me on Twitter. I don't, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're messaging back to him and, and he just, I don't know. So it's whatever. You should ask you song to like you song can bother him enough. I think he, he he has a sneaky way of getting things done, which has been helpful (laughs) as a now like coworker of him where I'm like, Hey, this person isn't responding. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, they'll be there in five. I'm like, what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Sneaky, sneaky. Exactly. We're just two sneaky boys hosting a podcast. But yeah, basically him and I were like, um, over a year ago, we thought it'd be fun if we hosted a show together. We didn't really know each other at all other than I did his podcast like two years ago. And he, uh, like a year ago, I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. It'd be so fun. We didn't really know each other. We tried it um, and it sucked. It was so bad. And it was like existential crisis of like, maybe we're not good at this. Why is this our career? Because um, we're like, surely with our combined podcast producing experience, like we will crush this. Um, but it turns out we are not podcast hosts. We are producers. Um, so we basically tried all these like insane high concept ideas. Um, and it was just a crazy combination of like shows that required way too much effort and us being like complete strangers essentially to each other. So we were like, one idea was like, we were, um, it was going to be like a half scripted, half improvised podcast that we are blackmailed into robbing a bank. And it was going to be like a 10 episode limited series. Um, and we were going to get all these different guests and improvisers, But while that was happening, we were having conversations of like, so man, like, where are you from? Um, Like, how old are you? Uh, How long have you lived in LA? And like, in hindsight, like, those are conversations we should have been having first, Um, like actually knowing who we are. So, but we were getting to uh, know each other and like really hitting it off. So at a certain point, we were just like, hey man, let's just like go get a beer, like literally like go play video games. Um, like going to his place, uh, playing like Tetris effect or super smash for like two hours and then realizing like, Oh, this is like the funnest two hours we've had. Um, so then we like basically took like our own little hiatus where we just like hung out all the time, um, and became close friends and then took a like second, uh, swing at this show where, um, and now it's called maybe don't, which, 
we kind of feel like was how we felt about doing the podcast. <laughs> I love it. It's An another self name. self-deprecating name, like almost better than silence. It's just like, do you, uh, you, you know what you're getting into when you're like turning it yeah, on basically a hundred percent. And it's basically this like half personal conversations where we're talking about like things we're struggling with in our lives or like things we're excited about. And then it cuts to like, um, I missed you songs violin recital. And so like I wrote fan fiction of like, what would have happened if I attended his <laughs> violin performance at UCLA? So it cuts from like basically back and forth. We calling it like a variety show um, where it's just like going back and forth between like honest, open conversations, uh, some more like tongue in cheek meta conversations that feel more like, uh, specific to like you can tell we're being very dry and sarcastic uh, and then also like characters like he's reading Yu Song's an incredible writer and so like he reads some of his and I really pushed him on this I don't know if he wanted to do this I just kept saying please read some of your short <laughs> stories um, and so he like reads some uh, stories that he's written like I do like very weird characters and the other really fun thing is like we're both musicians so then like um as I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, this is way too much. <laughs> um, we also like play some songs and stuff as well. Um, so it's like a nice it little variety like a, show. It, it sounds is. like an audio sketch show. That's yeah, that's exactly what we're going for. So it doesn't sound like too much. It sounds like a variety. Yes, you, you got exactly. it on the nose, Chef yeah. Kevin. Wonderful. I did. Honestly, I was able to listen to the first episode and it it sounds exactly like you accomplished what you were setting out to do and I to as a fan of both of you guys like yeah, being a fan of you songs Twitch stream, he's always playing uh piano songs for his subscribers and stuff and knowing that you're a musician, you guys teaming up together. This is like a podcast dream come true for me, so I'm really excited to see where you guys take this. How frequently do you intend on releasing episodes because it seems like a pretty a decent amount of work is going to have to go into a show. Like it this. does. We want to do weekly, but in reality, we've only recorded two episodes. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, coming from a show that's just put out 300 episodes, not, never missing a week, and maybe the occasional bonus episode like, yeah. during the holiday season, I think your best bet is to just don't set out for weekly unless you know you can keep up with it because it's, for it's sure. very much a consistency thing. So, honestly, bi weekly, there's plenty of shows I know that do that. And that's what we do. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, making that work. We we've had many of um Super Smash Bros conversations over this and <laughs> I think we're our headspace is just like let's just release them weekly and we'll just kind of play it like we're not announcing any sort of like scheduling stuff i think for that reason because we know like okay we both work like a lot um like outside of this um so this could like be very tough um but we're also super excited to do it so i think we're just like we're just going to release these on mondays until we need to like switch it up until it gets to a point where we're like Let's do bi-weekly. Let's take, call this like a limited series, take a little break, you know, um, but media is ever changing. So you're you're open to doing things like that. Yeah, exactly. Did you see his Twitch stream like right now that he's doing? Did you guys catch any of it? I was tuning in right before we uh, started the podcast and he was telling us to have a good show because he was excited that you were going to be on. Oh, amazing. Um, I was actually, no, wait, one thing I have to say about that was, though, he said, we're not on speaking terms. I'm like, but you guys are starting a podcast. What happened? Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Um, He, um... Big big drama. He uh, was... uh, Like, I just told one of my coworkers, he's, it's like a combination of playing 
what is it, Super Mario Maker and having an existential yeah, crisis. Dude. So he's like <laughs> playing, he's doing this like very silly like 2D Mario level, but then it's being like, and then I read this Medium uh, article and it's saying like, oh, in my relationship, uh, it turns out not being an asshole has been really good for us. It's like, yeah, da-doy. And then like he gets hit by a <laughs> hammer and I was just like <laughs> laughing so hard. I was like, I'm so with open arms want to work with this guy. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Extraordinarily entertaining. And yeah, I, I, he was a blast to have on the show. One of these days in the future, we're going to have both of you guys on, like pit you against each other in some of our conversations. Jesus or something. Christ. Oh my That'd God, he would destroy me. He is a true, like, <laughs> he is a true video gamer where I feel like, and we'll obviously be chatting about this today, but I feel like I am more of a, like, I dip my toe in every couple days. Like I play PlayStation 4 every couple days and I know like he is in the trenches. Yeah, well, it's funny. He also, when I asked him on our show, do you consider yourself a gamer? He was like, politically, politically no. No. <laughs> and I was like, I, yeah, I was like, it's, I really think he is. And he was lying to himself, but it's fair. Um, but I love speaking that. of video games, I think that's a good segue to kind of get into the, the discussion of what's the first video game you ever remember playing, the first console you've owned, stuff like that. Where, where do you want to start? Yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, feel like it was Super Mario 64. Um, Nice, dude, nice. N64, like, at my cousin's place. They have, like, Super Nintendo and stuff as well, but the one that I think definitely affected me was Super Mario 64. Um, And I I remember, because I was like, basically trying to write out my chronology of video games, the first thing I wrote was 64, and then being horrified because when you lose do you remember like bowser's face takes up the and i think this is part of why i don't like scary movies is this super mario 64 thing where when you died the screen would go black and it would just be bowser's face and it'd be like wah ha ha and it would be like mm-hmm. laughing yeah. and slowly take <laughs> over like, the whole screen and it horrified me like those were moments as a child eat the camera yes it, it was too intense yeah right down the barrel um where i was like okay i'm sleeping in mom and dad's room when that would happen and then i moved I'm done with this now <laughs> yes i'm like okay you can take this back um and then uh-huh. i switched to banjo kazooie which i see Yo. that they're bringing back and then i remember and i was just telling this to my girlfriend recently the witch in that game also horrified me because i think she also had a similar thing where like she would like kind of look down the barrel of the camera like right at you and but like the whole thing was she's just trying to steal she's trying to steal youth and she's just like if you if you image in your head the most not grotesque but just yep. like raggedy witch and mm-hmm. big warts everywhere yep. it was she was a good villain but yeah dude she like like you said in bowser's uh 64 thing mm-hmm. it's just, or mario 64's bowser thing she also liked going straight down the camera when you lost all your lives it was what, what? that was maybe like a trend yeah in 64 games maybe but as a young child it was like horrifying because i'd never seen anything like that and then so i like watched youtube clips with my girlfriend prefacing it with like get ready this is pretty fucked up and, <laughs> and then and then we watched them and it was literally like a comedy central sketch like it's yeah, clearly yes. very funny and i just remember being so embarrassed because she was like this scared you and i was like uh i yes it did but watching it like it was kind of also made for adults i don't know like it was also very funny but that all went over my head yes exactly when i was a kid i was scared when my cousin would run around with uh you know mr potato head right of, of course mm-hmm. 
classic toy. There is an accessory you can get from Mr. Potato Head. They're little green glasses. You put them on the face, you're like, wow, better vision. I would be uh, ungodly terrified as like a five to six year old boy when my older cousin would, I kid you not, huh? just put on the quote unquote little green glasses and chase me around the house. So I can understand how like a giant lizard swallowing you whole <laughs> yes. uh, would, would really like shake you to your core because yeah, I was I literally... It. Literally terrified of a Mr. Potato Head excess. Okay, good. So this kind of feels like therapy for me. I'm, I'm, I'm very go. much appreciating this. We're here for you. I'm yes. <laughs> very cool. Um, well, that's the thing. Do you play many modern games these days? Uh, like, do you own any modern gaming consoles? Switch, PS4. I do. Um, I'll go. I'll kind of go quickly through my chronology. So yeah, so I started with the N64, and then from there went to GameCube. Um, kind of stayed in that world, like because I think a huge N64 game for me was Super Smash Bros. And then when I saw that GameCube was doing it, I was like, I have to get GameCube. I don't know about you guys, but for me, it was a lot of like, and and I think uh affected my like recent video game purchases where I was like I have to buy this console because I need to have this game um because yeah it was Even like to the exclusives exactly and it was like okay N64 has Super Smash Bros like gotta get or uh, like Super uh Mario 64 gotta get it and then with GameCube it was like they have Super Smash Bros I'm getting a GameCube for that um and yeah. then mm-hmm. I had like an Xbox 360 and PS2 in high school. And then I had this very big moment in my life where at like 16, I was playing, oh man, I'll look it up. It was like, um, not Uncharted, but uh, I can look it up later. PlayStation 3? Uh, play, it was Xbox 360, but basically the game was like, you were this character who got uh, infected with like this poison that turned, oh my God, I know that turned you into about. like parts of your body into like a hammer. And you were like going throughout the city and you could click like X and your body would turn, you would like smash oh, someone yeah, with like- Prototype. Prototype, yeah, prototype. that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, Sorry, I know way too much about every single video game ever. I'm so you glad. Really I just realized I was talking to like video, like guys who, host, like people who host a video game podcast. Um, Dude, I was just going to say, I've, I've mistaked it for the game Breakdown, which is an original Breakdown Xbox on original game. Xbox? Yeah, I was nice. like, what the fuck? Okay, uh, that's how nerdy we are. Continue. Yeah. So I was having that. I was getting less and less into video games. That game, like the Xbox was breaking. And I remember playing that game and then going, I'm selling all my video game stuff. <laughs> prototype was the one that did it oh my god prototype i was like i remember playing it the game was skipping i was having issues with the xbox i put all of my stuff in a bag went to my friend who like was obsessed with video games and like repaired consoles all the time and i just said how much and i just gave him everything and he was like 60 bucks and i was like seems kind of cheap but deal he gave <laughs> me and i i still remember this and it's i think funny because i'm not a big like shoe head but i remember him handing me 60 dollars cash going to like the store near his place i bought like a 60 dollar pair of nikes and was like now i'm cool <laughs> <laughs> what a trade i came out on top oh damn it you convert no i'm kidding i know so then basically like took a almost 10 year break where I was like very adamant about like, I can't play video games. Like I sold him. I'm done with that. And then when breath of the wild came out, like recently (laughs) I was like, that was the moment where I was like, I didn't get the switch, but I got a Wii U and then bought breath of the wild. And then 
Um, or like right around that time. No, no, no. It was, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm messing up my own story. Like a year before that, I got a Wii U and started dabbling with like some Zelda games. And then I saw Breath of the Wild was coming out and was like, great. Got Breath of the Wild, was having so much fun with that. Basically, the Wii U was because of like Zelda stuff and Breath of, and of course, Breath of the Wild. Had yeah. so much fun with that. And then really did not play any other. Like once I beat Breath of the Wild, I, again, I was like, okay, there's not a lot to do with the Wii U. I think a lot of people are like kind of done with the Wii U. Everything's on mm-hmm. Switch. You know, then the Wii U was a failed platform in general. Yes, it was good, but it was yeah, it didn't sell very well. And I kind of yeah. remember being like, "Why am I buying this?" But I think <laughs> it was because I knew it was like kind of the boring failed console, and I was trying to be. I was like nervous. I felt like I was like getting back into drugs or something. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> no, but you got your Mario, you got your Zelda. It's a comfortable." Return. Exactly. I was like, "This is enough where I'll like have fun with friends, and I won't be like mm-hmm. every night like I have to go home early from work because I need to finish these levels like on an awesome PS4 right. game or a Switch game." Um, so I got the Wii U, it, and it worked like a charm because it like played Breath of the Wild, played Smash again, Super Smash, the new one, um, nice. and then didn't touch it for like a year and a half, maybe like a year. Spider Man came out on huh. PS4. Oh my god! I went to GameStop, did the same thing, gave them all of my Wii U games and stuff. And then I learned this the hard way because I downloaded a lot of my games and was like, I got all these games that are downloaded. And they're like, we don't care because we're just going to clear this. And I like, Mm -hmm. since then, like don't really download games because I'm like, if I ever want to sell this stuff, uh, I need the the actual disc. Um, So I learned that the hard way. I was kind of bummed, but sold my Wii U and all my games and got like $120, I think. And then put that in credit, got the PS4, got Spider-Man. And since then have been, I would say this is probably the most steady I've played video games um, since like high school. Um, And I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. It's the best time for video games right now. It's, 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 it feels like Um, it. It really, I mean, having started this podcast at the end of 2014, I remember just being like, oh, we'll just see how this goes. And it's just, our expectations are just continuing, like, or game developers are continuing to raise the bar. It's phenomenal. In fact, let's get to the games we've been playing lately. I'll start because there's only one that I really want to bring to the table, and it's Detroit Become Human. And this game's so fucking breathtaking. It's been a long time since I've played a game where it's like, oh, I'm looking forward to coming back when I have to, like, save my game and shut down for the night. It's like, it's just really captivating and the graphics are insane and if you're a ps4 user i think for this month on ps plus ps plus members get the game for free so i can't recommend going getting it enough it's for people who know it's by quantic dream responsible for heavy rain and beyond two souls which were two games i thoroughly enjoyed yeah those are huge i'm not done with detroit become human yet though i am very far into it but i can already tell you that i like this more than both predecessors all right not that they're like in the same universe but oh dude are you serious Uh, it's crazy because like i know heavy rain is like it holds a very special place in my heart but like this game has me thinking in ways that i was like this is blowing my my socks off and like the whole androids becoming aware of themselves like capacity like it's it's been done before in plenty of science fiction and stuff but they're really hitting like a special spot for me at least 
Can I interject real quick, Doug? Yeah, of course. So I just found this funny because I just remembered this. Uh, the first, nah, it was the first time I was on your show. Maybe, but I had just gotten a copy of Detroit Become Human. Yeah, and I, was I remember reviewing that it, because I was and, so anxious to play. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and you were like, Matt, we're going to have to have you back on with Whitney and we're going to have to ask you what you thought about Detroit Become Human. And just by chance. Full circle. The, the, <laughs> finally, the, the one show I'm on here with Whitney and you and you just happen to be playing Detroit Become Human. It's that good. is pretty ridiculous. Doug, explain the premise, though. I don't think you can. Yeah, I was like, going to ask what, about that. Because right. that's why I like Heavy Rain more, is I just find the premise of Heavy Rain more interesting than Detroit. But yeah, explain what Detroit is. I, I'm going to butcher this because I'm not a very good video game journalist or anything like that. But it's basically, you you take on the the role of an android detective, I want to say, and you're investigating crimes involving these deviants, which are androids that have become self-aware and are basically killing their owners or just doing things that aren't, they're not programmed to do, essentially. Westworldy stuff. So, and it's very, just mm-hmm. in and of itself unique in the fact that you have an android investigating this whole problem to begin with, because you would think he's subject to becoming awake himself. And that's basically what you kind of figure out or like you witness as you transpire through the game. There's some really interesting, like, I don't know, heart wrenching scenes where like this drug addict dad is beating his daughter and then the android is like tempted to like get involved. So like, it's just, I don't want to spoil anything, but that's very early in the game. I just can't recommend this game enough. It's very, I don't know, breathtaking. It's a game of. It's a game of breath. You're breathtaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a game of choice and consequence where the narrative bends around, you know, what there is no right or wrong answer. Things just happen and you form the narrative. But, but whereas Detroit Become Human is about a futuristic city of androids and the question of whether or not humanity and consciousness and all that stuff, Heavy Rain is the same kind of narrative branching experience, but it's about a serial killer. And you play as like four or five different characters in this intertwining story. I just like more like crime based stories. But I think in Detroit Become Human, they do a way better job at, you know, simple decisions you make in conversations. Like you said, uh, oh, this this dad is beating up the daughter like you as the android can choose to intervene or not intervene. And in most games, that wouldn't really make an impact on the overall narrative. But in this game, it's like uh, an ever-branching kind of butterfly effect mm-hmm. where every That's cool. thing changes. And the coolest part about the game is that once you finish it or finish a scene, so to speak, you can go back and see which choices would have branched in different places. And then you can yeah. follow those choices. I think that's really what makes the meat of the game so cool. But I totally th- agree because because choice-based games are like my steez. That is what yeah. I am all about. And I actually think that's why we started talking about it when you were on last time. Um, because this is so up my alley as far as c- gameplay is concerned. I think that Heavy Rain was more like a telltale game t- yes. up until the end where like your choices made some difference to the game, but really the, the end of Heavy Rain is the only place that it can really go differently. Um, like you may have different characters like replacing endings. the dialogue. Yeah. But everything yeah. else kind of loops back around to being on rails at some points with your decisions. Whereas, mm-hmm. um, Detroit has a lot more butterfly effect and branching options, which I really liked. My only, my only complaint with Detroit Become Human was that they were too heavy handed with oh, slavery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Robots are always either about, you know, what makes humans human, or it's about, like, slavery. And in in Detroit's case, it's kind of both. But I feel like 
they nuanced it enough, but they, to, to not be a direct one for one, this is slavery. They didn't flat out say this is slavery, but the, the, the lines that they drew and the correlations were too overt to be like a, a subtext of the game. It was definitely yeah. the text of the game. And for me, it just didn't yeah. hit the right note where it was like, either just say this is like the civil war or say, like be more subtle about what the what you're trying to say and the and the sort of like moral weight behind it because for me it just felt preachy and yeah, yeah. and it felt tone deaf it felt it felt like no one uh who is a person of color had anything to do with making the story of that <laughs> that's, game that's i was going to bring up that point quantic dream is run by creative lead david cage who is yeah. who is well known for being able to craft an interesting story but he's the dude who thinks he has like oh i'm going to tell this really deep story and then the first scene they're like all androids in the back of the bus and you're like oh my god dude like yeah. really yeah. that on the nose yeah. but he writes it as though he thinks he's being the smartest writer ever here's my take on something i shouldn't be saying yes that's what i'm saying david cage is like (laughs) i'm gonna have this revolutionary story and then everyone's like man maybe you should just maybe it should just be a story about robots and you shouldn't try and make it some bigger thing because you're not equipped as a writer to do it because that's mudslinging but hey i think the questions of humanity and like what makes humans and who's the real monsters like westworld i think that Mm -hmm. story always works with robots and i I think think it would be more effective than this yes i agree and i think that the whole thing of of like doug was saying when you're when it's telling you to actively fight against your programming at certain points like the that first sort of vignette where you're not the detective but you're the the like babysitter robot yeah kara yeah yeah Yeah. and you're and it's like well you're not supposed to interfere but also you know that this guy is abusing his child do you step in and and fight against your programming and i think that's sort of part of the gameplay was very emotionally resonant, but everything mm-hmm. else kind of got cheapened by how heavy handed it was. But the gameplay itself was great. I had a f- very good time with uh, the branching Detroit. stories and all yeah. that stuff is fantastic. That's Maybe just I mean. the narrative kind of falls a little flat there. I'm interested to see how it wraps up. So I'm wondering if I'm going to agree with you guys with that, but, um, Overall, yeah, that is a really enjoyable experience. And like I said, for free, free. Chef Kevin, you should definitely check that out if you're on PlayStation 4. But we can go to somebody else. How about you, Kevin? You mentioned Spider-Man. Are you playing anything else on the PlayStation 4 lately? So I got, after I got Spider-Man, I was, um, it was like around Black Friday. It was like a month later, I think. And I went to GameStop and got like... Three or four games. I got Red Dead Redemption 2, the newest one, and um, God of War, and then Yo, um, and then War. Marvel uh, Lego Avengers. <laughs> Just to mix it up. Oh, and I also got... Oh, no, no. I got Red Dead on a different day. I got, um, yeah, uh, God of War, Lego Avengers, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, which I oh, nice. which I learned though are like three games that you can't really get in bulk because I was like, let me just dabble with all of these, and I was like, you can't yeah, do that. Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. No. especially not Red Dead. Yeah, so I was playing a little bit of all of those, and then completely shifted gears and got Star Wars Battlefront 2 and I just beat that and that was a fun game for me to play even though I'm like truly not like a Star Wars person I see all the movies but I couldn't tell you like I'm just kind of like the Fairweather fan of it um yeah, yeah. but as a kid when I got 
like PS2, I got the first Star Wars Battlefront and have like very vivid memories of playing that um, like before school religiously. And then saw like my friends recommended Battlefront 2 saying like it's super fun. Um, So after dabbling with God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn and um, a Lego game, (laughs) um, I switched to Battlefront and have been really enjoying that. Um, So I'd be like the campaign mode of that. And then like as of last week, finished all the like arcade levels in that, which was super fun. Um, And then a different game that my girlfriend and I play, when I asked her, um, I feel like early on in our relationship, we were talking about video games and I was like, oh, do you play? And she was like, no, I don't really play video games. And then when we moved in together, she was like, um, oh, you should see if there's like um, any like new Tetris games. And I was like, oh, you song and I just played this really fun game, Tetris Effect. And she was like, let's get it. And then I learned she is a legit expert in Tetris and has no. beat like <laughs> the sleeping hustler. Yeah. And like has is like almost done on expert. Um, and so like wow. she constantly <laughs> like humiliates me because I'm like, oh, you know, I've been playing video games like on and off my whole life. And then I hand her the controller and she's just like, okay the game is done I have completed the game and I'm like cool 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 so I'm gonna go back to my Legos over here (laughs) (laughs) hey no shame on the I'm gonna I'm just straight faced no joke like Lego games I think I've played I've at least played every single one they've released Mm -hmm. but specifically for couples who like one person plays more and the other person doesn't Mm -hmm. Lego games are great for just like reliving the movie franchise and stuff like that. Me and my partner have played, ah, geez. When we first started dating, she'd beaten two video games in her entire life. Mm -hmm. And now this year she's beaten like six. I would say 90% of the video games we've played and completed together have been Lego games. So like don't, don't, they're, they're fantastic. Also the Stranger Things three game that just came out was surprisingly straightforward and very accessible. Oh really? That's cool. I'll have to check that out. for newcomers, you know, to to gaming, it was she said, and I quote, "I really like how straightforward and not too complicated this is." And I think and, that's you know, exactly what she loves about Tetris. Is like when she saw me playing like God of War, or like Red Dead, she was like, uh, so "Not yeah, it's so much." Um, but also, the cool thing with Tetris Effect is like you feel like you're on like an acid trip. Like when you turn all the lights yeah. off and, and turn <laughs> on like a nice, like we have a little sound bar up front. We feel like we took like a hundred edibles when in reality we each have like one chocolate chip cookie that didn't have any uh, pot in it. <laughs> um, if, if you ever get the opportunity to play Tetris Effect in VR, it is oh, cool. transcendent. Oh, I, I yeah, 100% really cool. believe that. Um, so yeah, basically Battlefront and Tetris have been like the two games um, we've been playing, but I just saw the trailer for Cyberpunk, the Keanu Reeves thing, and I'm yep. just like, oh my God, that looks so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. That's another big one. You gotta, you gotta kind of bust through either Horizon or Red Dead because it's one of those games. You know, you start, you get halfway through, and then you you stop playing for like three weeks. You come back, and you're like, "What was I?" Doing? Yeah, exactly. It happens with Horizon really easily. So if you do dive into Horizon, just get through it. It's really, really good game. I suggest God of War. It won my game of, of the course. year. Of course, yeah. It was twenty. It's my twenty seventeen game of the year, man. I can't. I can't go back. I'm always fair enough. You know? I got um like halfway through it and really enjoyed it. I think just stopped because I was like got busy or something. But I think mm-hmm. I'll go back to um God of War and like finish that campaign and then I feel like I put. 
I think like 15 hours into Red Dead, which is like one and a half percent complete. Yeah, um, for real. And then like two hours into Horizon Zero Dawn, but enjoyed both of them. From what I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Horizon kind of got overshadowed by Breath of the Wild because they came out at the same Very time. Very much so. Yeah? Yep. Man, that oh, sucks. Definitely. That's crazy. It's, it's, I, it's so much better than Breath of the Wild, though. In oh, my yeah. opinion. Whoa, yeah. shots Ooh, fired. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> I, I reviewed Horizon Zero Dawn and I reviewed Zelda at the same time. And I think, you know, Zelda has got that openness and that create, not the creativity, but you can kind of do whatever you really want to. Yeah. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn is equally as good as an open world game, but with like the combat and kind of its world building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but entirely, you know, a Zelda game drops that week. This Horizon Zero Dawn was a new idea, you yep. know, not a sequel to anything massively overshadowed but but like i was going to say earlier red dead redemption 2 when i reviewed that i think it took me 90 hours with lolly oh my god so wow so like yeah god of war is like a 20 ish hour game depending on how long you take to smell you know roses horizon zero dawn 20 to 40 maybe yeah 30 30 yeah yeah but red dead redemption 2 like it is a hundred some odd game hours like it's a lot yeah are you guys excited for the they like just announced the second breath of the wild do you think that's going to be good mm-hmm. yeah the, oh my god sequel. well i don't think we're going to see that anytime soon it's basically just <laughs> a it's in development announcement which is very exciting regardless but yeah yeah that'd be nice wow yeah and then I same thing going off of that with like red dead 2 didn't they work on that for like seven years or like some like super long time yeah, yeah Rob, most, well, definitely the developer is very well known for um, at least back in the PlayStation Two days because uh, they're the same people who make Grand Theft Auto. Yep, yeah, they wouldn't even take. I remember when they finished Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which was the one from the PlayStation Two up being in the eighties. Uh, they didn't even celebrate the launch of that because the next day after it came out, they started work on Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Oh and from what I understand, that is just kind of the culture of work. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are working on Grand Theft Auto Six right now and yeah. not, you know enjoying the fruits of their hard labor for the past six seven years isn't it funny that <laughs> rock star energy this like drink that you would not think of like patience and discipline is like making the yeah. like longest uh we worked on this funny, for seven years joke. and it paid off <laughs> different rock stars but you know what i would be surprised oh it is rock man i wish it was the same rock star <laughs> I'm yeah sure, i was I'm gonna sure. say I, I i i didn't think they were the same but it could be but I, you know what, I would, I think it would be stupid, or at least both those companies would be stupid if they hadn't had some sort of cross promotional discussion at some point. For sure, because Rockstar Energy, a lot of a lot of people drink that in the gaming community, like the Red Bulls, yeah, the do right. And I just I made like a, a Pepsi knockoff called Activision, so I'm I'm, I'm in <laughs> talks with them, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Activision, nice. you, you might not want to get in bed with them. Maybe Blizzard. And okay. You do a Dairy Queen yes, there you go. Perfect. Why have they not around. done anything with them? Guys, we right. are coming up with grade A marketing yeah. ideas for these places. <laughs> you can have those ones for free. D- DM us on Twitter to hire. What? There we go. <laughs> How about you, Whitney? Uh, we haven't heard from you uh, as far as what you've been playing these days. Um, Pretty much just... Still trudging through, not trudging through, we've been having a great time, but slowly, like, maybe for an hour a week, getting through Halo CE. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's been really fun. We uh, aren't getting much much time to play because, you know, it's hard to find time where the two of us together can be in the same place and have time to play video games and whatnot. So it's, mm, it's, totally. it's going very slowly as far as um, going through the Halo. We've got a lot of Halo to do. <laughs> um, Are you guys doing like a co-op like, campaign with that or something or? 
Yeah, yeah. Cool, um, cool. We, we were just looking for something that neither of us had played that we could do a multiplayer on and... Um, we just we settled on Halo because neither of us had played it, and it's such a big like cornerstone of video games. So, are you playing? For sure. Are you playing the 360 version, or are you playing that through like the Master Chief Collection? We're thing playing on the it new through Xbox? the Master Chief Collection. That's okay. So, the Master Chief Collection, specifically, if you have not played Halo, is uh, you are packed. Master Ch- or Halo One Two is fantastic. Three, I think they say Reach is going to be on there soon. But mm-hmm. the Halo games as cooperative shooters yeah. are, I think, up in there. You know, the best cooperative shooters of all time. So yeah, yeah you've got some that's, good that's games. Part of why, that's part part of why we did it. I had a blast with Gears Four doing mm-hmm. that co op, and I'm very yep. excited for Five to come out because that was actually. Same. With just as far as like multiple people sitting on a couch next to one another, like someone you're dating and you want to play video games together. Gears had more story than any other like co-op that I've really done before. Halo has some so far, but it's it's Gears just you played through the whole video game and the whole story and the way that it worked together was just really, really great. So I'm excited for five. Um, But until then, we have a lot of Halo to get us through. And then a lot. Yeah. And then it's just Very been a lot cool. of Hearthstone in between. Nice. Nice. Oh, man, I'm jealous of playing Halo for the first time. It, it, right? Does the Master Chief Collection, isn't that the one where you can, like, toggle the graphics of, like, original graphics? Yes. And, and Oh, my gosh, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, for both Halo 1 and 2, they did that. That's amazing. Yeah, I definitely got to get around to replaying that just for nostalgia's sake. But how about you, Matt? We haven't heard from you. What have you been playing these days? Or did we hear from you? Gosh, I'm losing track of... Time. I mean, I, I I chime in. I interrupt people all the time. It's one of my lovable quips, <laughs> one of my lovable features. That was a joke. Uh, but no, I, I didn't talk about any of the games I was specifically playing. But if 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 you've heard of, if you've heard me talk on this program before, you know that most of my stuff is just like the latest games that are coming out. I'm constantly reviewing games uh, as a freelance writer. But you know what? I've been digging into a lot, even though I haven't had to do a lot of stuff for work, is Super Mario Maker 2, which I think someone mentioned earlier. Correct yes, me if I'm wrong. Yes, because you Song's playing it on his stream. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, uh, me and my younger brother, who both have Switches, we kind of went halfsies on it. Like, I'll, you know, I'll pay 30 bucks. We'll just share it old school. I love doing that because it's a game where once you finish the story mode, which is like 100 levels or whatever, uh, it's kind of just you. I don't make the levels. I have made a custom Mario level, but I like playing other people's levels. So it's a really good game to kind of pick up and play uh, in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, set down, come back to in a few days when more people have made levels. And uh, there's some creative stuff on there. Yeah, I heard that as like the funnest game to play right now. It's 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 just you're in this early infancy stage where people are trying to find out all the nuances of like what you can do with a level creator before it just gets utterly ridiculous and difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you see a lot with these user generated content games is that everyone likes to make homages and and stuff like that. So like the first month, um, my favorite levels were. There was one called Super Castlevania Bros. <laughs> there was one that was essentially like the first level of Metroid, but uh, and you, oh, you cool. fight Mother Brain. Uh, somebody who had a lot of time on their hands uh, remade multiple of the dungeons from Ocarina of Time, which is one of my favorite games of all time on the Nintendo sixty four. Nice. Uh, nice. So I've been I've been playing a lot of these really fun themed uh, games in between other stuff. But uh, I think it's really interesting because it's like Hatsune Miku for video games instead of yes. music and seeing what people can come up with is and, and that sort of collaborative environment. I don't I haven't played it. I haven't tried any of the levels or anything, but I just like what people are doing. And I like that what it, what it brings to video games. 
Absolutely. Especially one thing that I noticed is that like, well, this is this is actually a bad example because it's like That's capitalism's okay. bad, but Arby's okay. made a level. And yep. like, <laughs> I feel like people are just like, it gives that ability to like have like, I don't know if we have a community, we can make like an ABTS level, but I'm not I'm not going to. Oh, do my it. God, you guys <laughs> should totally do it. <laughs> we should but oh man first i gotta get the game and get f- familiar with it i published one level and it took me i want to say at least like five hours of like looking right. at this thing and really I mean, it's it's a it's a decent level i'm not going to be like it's the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. and it's not trash but like it's a lot of effort and that's just for like me simple like go over here and go down this pipe uh th- the thing that people people have been able to do or the things people have been able to do with this uh to, to whitney's point is really it spans kind of the whole entire creative spectrum if you don't want to make a challenging uh platforming level some people use the tools to literally recreate music uh and you just run around the run on the bottom of the stage while i don't know some wizardry plays the theme song to pokemon or something wow or there awesome. are these levels there's these levels called auto Mario's where the whole point is that you don't move. You just put your controller down um, and you watch as they have kind of made this roller coaster of obstacles and stuff that are just about to hit Mario, but you move for the last second. And it's kind of an engineering feat of what you can do with a level creator. And then you have cool things like escape rooms, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that you're just not going to get in a standard Mario game. And it's, it's, people are super creative. It's, it's good for $60 and it's an endless amount of retro Mario game or Mario levels. So, you know, what more is there to ask for? In my opinion, at least. Definitely. Oh, man. The more we talk about it, the more I want to get this game now. There's one game that I do want to bring up, but it's for the Xbox and PC crowd. Now, I know Kevin said he is a PS4 player. I don't I know. Sold it for a pair uh, of shoes, famously. Yeah. Hey, look, it's okay. <laughs> it's a Whitney or, or um, Doug. I don't know if you guys play on PC or Xbox One, but any listener. Uh, the game is called Outer Wilds, not to be confused with Outer Worlds, which is the Fallout creator people's new RPG later this year. It's Outer Wilds. Has anybody heard about it? I no. think we've talked about it at one point. Oh, shit. <laughs> you guys might have. Well, come on, Doug. Remember the shows. <laughs> I can't remember shit. <laughs> Outer Wilds is a game. It's very hard to discuss without spoiling it. And it's an indie game. It's like $20, $25. There's a bunch of summer sales going on right now. So I feel like you get it for 20 bucks. But it is essentially a space exploration game. Now, take this with a grain of salt. Similar to No Man's Sky in the way that you go into a ship and you go around a solar system and you investigate these planets and whatnot. But without spoiling much, it's a mixture of the puzzle game The Witness, um, Groundhog Day, and... (laughs) And no man's sky. So the game Damn. is ru- the game is that's run-based. some powerful words you just said, Matt. Yeah, that's yes, good. that's an interesting game premise. Avoiding avoiding the because because the reason it is run based and in Groundhog Day is obviously tied to the narrative, and I don't want to spoil any of that. And a lot of this game is kind of like what I want to tell people is just play it. Like if if space exploration sounds interesting to you, just play it and trust me. But for those who need a little bit more tantalization, you play as a Harthian who's like a little alien dude, and he's just going to go be an astronaut. And there is a small solar system, you know, maybe six, eight eight planets. But that's what you're there for. You're there to go out and explore and uh, translate these ancient alien texts that are found. So unlike a game like No Man's Sky, where the the planets are all like generated, um, this is just seven planets in a solar system. And the planets have been very crafted to have stories and and places to explore. And uh, it's all very, it's a nice mixture of genres and also, I guess, biomes. So you have like one planet that is just full of sand and it's uh, slowly leaking sand. One is a giant 
water. It's like a water planet, but there's always these giant tornadoes that are throwing around. So it's it's a lot of cool settings or different environments. But the thing that makes it cool is that every 22 minutes, you are essentially reset back to your starting point for reasons I won't delve into. And you have 22 minutes uh, until the thing resets again. But what the game does is it plays with the 22-minute timer in cool ways. So like that aforementioned Planet of Sand, right? Say you land on it in the first five minutes and you want to check it out. You're like, oh, this is just a lot of sand. But if you check on it at like 18 minutes in, there might be all of a sudden a tower that wasn't there before because enough sand oh, has cool. uh, fallen That's off really the planet. Into- and so with things like ice planets and uh, stuff like that, you can see how it starts to... Um, the variations can start to have really cool ideas. Like one of my favorite things is there's a planet that is orbiting around a, or in the center of it is a black hole. So as time passes, the planet gets sucked into the black hole. And there's been a number of times where I've just been like doing stuff. And all of a sudden I am sucked into a black hole. (laughs) And the whole point of the game though, it's not to kill aliens. It's not to collect any power ups. It is literally, you are there to explore the planet and try and uncover these um, translations or these ancient alien texts using this translator and try and find where they went, so to speak. And so the whole point is to explore the planets and really pay attention to your surroundings. And then mixed into that is these small puzzles that have to do with timing. But the way you find uh, a new place to go or a new narrative thread is all based on simply going to what looks interesting landing there and being a little astronaut dude and just the variety and the quality of the narrative is is fascinating i think this is one it's gonna be one of those games that it's gonna take a while for people to start talking about Mm -hmm. but it's gonna be one of those oh best or most underrated indie games of of 2019 well you you certainly sold me that that pitch sounds so up my alley if you're somebody who bought No Man's Sky on the PlayStation 4 and felt like it was uh, underwhelming or not what you're expecting and you wanted some cool space epic, it's it's this is what you want. But the, with the caveat of it is what we call a walking simulator. Uh, Chef Kevin, I don't know if you're familiar with that genre. No, lay it on you don't me. Have attack, you don't have attacks. Uh, you, you, you don't. You, you can die in some situations, but... The whole point of a walking simulator is you're there to experience a narrative, not to engage in combat. Uh, very rarely is there dangers outside of environmental. So it's both soothing and relaxing and cathartic and very rewarding because the whole point is to explore. Mm-hmm. And when you properly explore, you find another clue in this very cosmic and uh, intellectual, I hate using that word, intellectual story. And there's also some really cool cosmic horror elements that I'm, I'm not going to spoil, but, uh, yeah, it's like 20 bucks, dude. It's so yeah. good. It's I, so good. It looks really cool. I'm definitely interested so on, in this on a one. scale of from the beginning of Witness to the end of Witness, how hard are the puzzles? So that's the thing is that ultimately, uh, I, <laughs> I'm like 20 hours in and I've made a lot of progress. But the puzzles are less of like, hey, you need to do this to progress and more like you're dealing with uh, ooh, you're dealing with things like teleportation uh-huh. and it, it comes down to a lot of, OK, I have found this. Um, I, I, I might not understand what it means right now, um, but as I explore more, I'm going to learn what these various artifacts do and stuff like that. So maybe you know, like the reason- middle of the witness. Where yeah, you're starting to I... notice that you've been ignoring 
puzzles around you this whole time and stuff like that. Yes. The only reason I really put it to the witness is the fact that uh, like in the puzzle game, the witness, the only things you can really do, I mean, apart from like driving around your spaceship, which is pretty easy and like jetpacking around is kind of look at things and then they will react to where your viewpoint is. Like, nice. There, it's not like you're not gonna have to pick up a key and put it in the chest and get an upgrade. So mm-hmm. the puzzles are very much environmental in nature. Uh, it's just, it's great. And since each, I guess, playthrough of the game is confined to 22 minutes, it's a really good game to pick up and just be like, I'm going to look around space for a little bit, maybe find a new clue and come back later. I love it. I've been enamored in it, and that's been one of his spending most of my time. I'm reading the the Wikipedia page right now, and the thing that really draws me in is uh, ideas were to recreate Apollo 13 in 2001, a space odyssey spirit of space exploration, and took cues from... Uh, Zelda, the Wind Wakers, non-player characters that would tell tales of distant lands and also inspired by Majora's Mask. So like Apollo 13, 2001, Wind Waker and Majora's Mask. That's so cool. (laughs) Hell yeah. The Majora's Mask thing really comes from the idea that, you know, you have 22 minutes and then it all resets. Yeah. And you know what's going to happen because, you know, say say you're walking on a planet and like a little meteor hits it and f- at five minutes in, you can know for each successive adventure that is going to hit for five minutes in or every five minutes in. And as you get to understand the solar system and the mysteries therein, that's like, like Whitney said, that's when the puzzles unlock. You're like, oh, I didn't even realize that this was a puzzle, but it, it's less puzzle and more exploration based. But yeah, if you, if any of those titles that Chef Kevin just listed off uh, sound interesting, uh, yeah. Give it a look, see. It's free if you have the Xbox Game Pass. Well, not free, but it included in the service. So that's a way to check it out, I guess. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. Some really good inspirations there. Um, before we wrap this episode up and do plugs and stuff, I do have a really quick game or no game I want to quiz Hell you guys yeah. on. Yeah. So let's play that. So, Kevin, uh, if you're unfamiliar, Game or No Game is just a, a, a conversation game where I pitch out the title of a video game and you guys tell me if you think it's real or not. And I don't even keep track. That's how lazy I am. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll just try to see if we can today because we have a guest. Um, but that's the thing. What do you guys think of this game? Do you think there's a game called Kill Squad? All one word. Kill Squad, all one word? Yes. Not like... All one word is in the title, but well, yeah, not kill Scott, Scott but that would be amazing. No kill squad colon all one word, all one, one word, <laughs> yes, and the word is kill squad. That you I say wouldn't buy word. kill squad. I would buy kill squad all one word. <laughs> yeah, which is like it's, I feel like kill squad all one word is like the Nintendo 3DS or like the Game Boy Advance ripoff that isn't as good as the original yep. kill squad, but passable if it's the only thing you have. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm going to go with a solid y- yes. Uh, it definitely sounds like it could be a game. I'm going to say yes. It Because it feels like it should be a game, I'm going to hope that it's not and say no game. It's a yes, and I Damn. didn't think it was a game, and it is, though, and it's on Steam. It's like 20 bucks. It doesn't look terrible, to be honest. Usually the ones that I bring to the table are 
god awful. But <laughs> there's a game called Warface. So, I mean, pretty much Kill Squad, I have to assume, is something someone thought yeah. of in the 90s. Pretty much. All right. Do you guys think there's a game called Attack of the Evil Poop? Fuck me. <laughs> that feels like an app game, right? Uh, yeah. Are we counting mobile games in this? I dog? count a game you can play. <laughs> so it's like a flash game from Newgrounds 2002 <laughs> or something. Potentially, but no, it, hopefully, no. It, I'm gonna I, say, I haven't done any of those. I'm going to say no game. I'm going to also say no game, but I'm not confident in that decision. Nor am I with. <laughs> um, just because I'm going to keep being the opposite of you guys, I'm going to say game. And probably be over too. For you this time, Kevin. It's a game. Yeah, it's, it's on Steam. It's like all caps. Attack of the Evil Poop. You do not want to look this game up. It's I on Steam. It, it, yes, it literally came out a week ago. So it's like fresh off the presses. Uh, sure. Attack of the Evil Steamy. Poop delivers mm-hmm. challenging, fast-paced gameplay. Prove mm-hmm. to yourself that you are the elitist of the of all elite toilet warriors. Uh, with an intriguing story, a lo- I'm sure it's real intriguing, a local yep. versus mode, and several unlockables. It's got hilarious in-game moments. This insane title will make you poop your pants for joy. Okay, I didn't okay, look, need to read that. I just, I just wanted to say, don't buy this game because they had a perfect opportunity to do like five poop-based puns. Yeah, And that's the so only opportunity puns. in which you should, you know? Yeah, they didn't really have a, a good description there. It's $9, too. I feel like they're asking a lot. Um, <laughs> more, but- like, more like... Nine, nine, not dollars. <laughs> Got it. Attack of the expensive poop. All right, let's. They announced it on to... Steamy. <laughs> Do you yes. guys think there's a game called Polaroid Polar Bear? Oh, oh yes, oh yes. I don't know why I'm so confident that there is, but yes. I'm gonna say no on this one. I'm gonna say no as well. That's a no. Yes, and I think it's I'm a winning. band, like a very, f- I don't know Polaroid where I've heard polar that. Bear. Yes, check them out. They're interesting. Um, let's I was see. thinking I only- it would be a, a Nintendo Wii game. There was a lot of really weird Nintendo Wii games at the mm-hmm. apex of the Nintendo Wii's popularity. They had like Garden Simulator, which I'm not bashing, like, fuck yeah, go for your garden. But just like <laughs> like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer game. We don't need that. And it nope. was like a collection of Carnival Games 5, more carnivals. You know, like, I don't need... So Polaroid the Polar Bear sounded like some perverse perverse version of Pokemon Snap where you're just <laughs> taking pictures of polar bears and it, for some reason there was a Polaroid brand marked tie in I don't know no, that was my thought process that makes perfect sense uh, I guess no it uh, doesn't no it doesn't dog. That's sure <laughs> do you think there's a game called Cats Crash Arena Turbo Stars <laughs> the way you read it <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say yeah too. Yeah, I stuttered. I was just like, yeah. Much as like, he reads you, you, the Wikipedia yeah, you, entry, you stopped halfway through to read the rest yeah, of the title. I, well, that's the thing. I was like, Gave what the hell is this I heard a page I flip. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, all right, so that was a throwaway. Do you guys think there's a game called Avocuddle? Aww, that's got to be in someone's like so. Tinder profile. I'm gonna say Avocado. yes because I want it to be a game. I, yeah, I'm officially saying no, but the next per, if you make avocado, I will, f- <laughs> I'll buy more than one copy for sure. I'm going to say no. Cause it, it feels too clever. It feels too good to be true. You're not wrong there either. The best news is it's real and it's very oh, adorable it. and it just came out last week. It's on steam for 13 bucks on like Ooh. on a sale. Uh, it, avocado 
Avo Cuddle tells the go. tale of true love, an emotional action adventure through the galaxy searching and seeking to free your soulmate, uh, explore beautiful and dangerous planets, fight its special creature, and solve puzzles. Okay, this, uh, I don't know. This, this sounds <laughs> like they had the idea in the title, but then they said, let's make the opposite game yeah. of what the title represents. Mm-hmm. So they should go back to the drawing board and maybe add more avocados into the narrative well, or the gameplay through line. The main characters do look like your cute little avocados, like All hiding right. in your I'm, I'm, I'm sure. looking at this the Steam page, and the avocado has like a shotgun. That's what? not a. Oh that's wait, not no, a cuddle, avo, avo cuddle, as in like snuggle, but yeah. cuddle. Yeah, avocado. He, he has I'm a shotgun. Avocado. On video on the main page, he's doing. It's like a platformer, and he's got a shotgun in his hand, and he's blowing people away with it. That doesn't Holy seem very shit. cuddly to me. I did yeah. not even see that. That's ridiculous. I was okay. hoping for like an avocado dating sim, kind of like what's that dating sim where you date pigeons? Yeah. Yes, how to for boyfriend? Yeah, they I was hoping for something like that. Yeah. How did this get? I played? was kind of thinking somewhere between like, um, what's a Fiesta Pinata game? Uh, Viva Pinata. Viva yes. Pinata. Viva Pinata and like Braid. That's what I thought <laughs> when you said avocado. That would be that would be optimal. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, then I got. One last one, then. Do you think there's a game called Investigator, The Case of the Big Crime? Okay, so we just did a a pun off of Avocado, and this feels very similar. So I'm going to say no, because it feels like it's... If the last one was, I want to say this one isn't. Whitney, you go. I'm, uh, I'm really trying to think hard. I'm going to say no on Investigator. All right. I'm going to say yes, and then I'm also going to go for the genre, and it is a seek and find PC game. Wow. Yes, I think. Uh, the, I'm not sure if it's seek and find exactly, Dang but it. it's it's a game, and it, this, I Does think- Does it have, like, like the, oddly cartoonish visuals, and it's made yes. by, like, Big Fish Games or something? Uh, made by, or at least, yeah, no, developers Games by Bees. That's a strange title, but I don't know. It looks almost like a kiddish kind of game. I'm not sure who their audience is, but it looks like you're a detective alligator in- the case of the big crime. So yeah, dude, I made that game. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was gonna say, no wonder you know about it. There we go. No. Uh, that's how we play game or no game. What a good game of game or no. Great game. game great game, everyone. Alright, well this has been a very fun episode. I can't thank you enough for joining us, Kevin. Let's all do some plugs and wrap this up. Let's hear about your show again. Is it is it available yet to our listeners or is that something they're gonna have to keep an eye out on your Twitter? I think it should be available like on all hopefully, fingers crossed, all major platforms. I like filled out all the little information for it today to say like publish this everywhere, fingers crossed. Um so yeah, it should be hopefully available everywhere for free. And yeah, it's called Maybe Don't. Um if that doesn't pop up, type in you song because he has a very specific name. You'll probably it'll probably pop up before Kevin. Um, and his name is Y-U-S-O-N-G. Um, and then other like social media stuff. I'm on Instagram at Kev Bartelt, B-A-R-T-E-L-T, and on Twitter at Kevin J. Bartelt. Awesome. 
And how about you, Whitney? You have a slew of podcasts. I do have a slew of podcasts. So uh, Historical Hotties is a podcast where we talk about um, a good show. historical fig. Thank you. Uh, historical figures <laughs> that we think are hot. Uh, the most recent one we had, you know, the audience was beating down our doors talking about, you know, movie stars are cool. Musicians are cool. But why haven't you talked about hot accountants yet? And so <laughs> the most recent episode, we talked about the hottest accountants in history. And I... Uh, it actually turned out to be a kind of a banger of an episode. I was really worried that it was going to be a boring one, and it was really fun. So check out that one. That's Historical Hotties. And then my Keanu Reeves podcast, Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, where we nice. go through Keanu Reeves' uh, oof in chronological order. Coming up very soon, keep an eye out, because Speed is the next movie that we're doing. We nice. Yes. yes. I've we, been waiting for this. <laughs> we just did Little Buddha, and Speed is coming up, and I'm very excited about Speed. That's awesome. Uh, awesome. Yep. And then I'm also on a real play podcast called Myth Takes. And uh, I've got a Fast and Furious podcast coming out soon. But you can Jeez. find, yeah, uh, <laughs> on Twitter, just follow Whitney underscore Nelson, N E L S E N, and you will see all of my podcasts there. I retweet when anything goes live. So. Very good. And how about you, Matt? You also have a podcast that I screwed up the title in the very beginning. Wow. Never gonna not never gonna let you live that down, Doug. Way to do way to do me dirty on the nice interview with the chef Kevin man. Making me look like the flu. No. Uh Super Gamecast sixty four, available on iTunes and all other things. But now I just launched this new website which centralizes all this info, in addition to providing opinion articles, reviews, movie and TV listicles and stuff. That's super game site. S-I-T-E, 64.com. Check it out there. But as far as social media, um, you can follow me on Twitter at SGC64. Matt, if you're there for content, follow at SuperGameSite64. That's where you're going to find all this stuff. Uh, and then Instagram is the same, at SuperGameSite64. That's all I got really going on. Nothing huge. Not like 5 million podcasts. <laughs> Whitney working her butt off over here. Yeah, doing for the Lord's sure. work. <laughs> Hell yeah. And listener... If you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe. Our handle's ABT Silence on social media, and we do Twitch stream on occasion, hopefully, hopefully doing that a little bit more. And if you're interested, I have a record label. It's MissedOutRecords.com for Check. emo, screamo, math rock, all that Check stuff. In fact, That's I just awesome. did my first hip-hop release, and I'm really excited about it. I know the guy for like most of my life, and he's a super talented artist, dude for real. Uh, just over the moon about that release. So yeah, definitely check out Congratulations. Thanks very much. And thank you, Chef Kevin. We really can't thank you enough for doing this. And hopefully we'll uh, be in touch in the future and maybe have you and you song on. And best of luck with your show. Thank you so much, guys. This was a super fun time. I had a blast. So happy to hear that. All right, listener. Well, we will see you guys next week. Later.